scary girl. All right, deep breath in. Let it out. Did you let it out? I did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was really worried. I was like, don't hold it that. Oh, Stephanie, no. Hey, everybody. Hey. Welcome to episode 11 of Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. I'm Sarah. And I'm Stephanie. And this is Dead Time Stories. The, yep. Which we said that already. But. We did. We're having a big day. We're having a day, the two of us. You guys, it's a Monday. We typically record on a Monday. Yeah, in the case of the Mondays. Quick, tell me about it. Mm, 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 mm. Barely staying alive. Barely staying alive. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, child. Yep, you're welcome. Things I, are maybe going to get right better. Now. We don't Sarah know. Sarah likes to sing that song and get it stuck in my head, and she did it right before we started recording. For some reason, when I'm with you, it just pops in my head. I don't know why. It's been happening either, for years. Sarah, years. I don't understand it. Y'all, she's she's been doing this to me for years. She's done this to me. She just, she'll just, like, she, she doesn't have to look it. at me. I'll just hear her go, mm, child. Do you have a buzzing sound? What's no, that? I felt something. It's my ponytail. It's a ghost. Stop, because that door's open behind I me. Know, and it scares you. It does. I just noticed it was open, and I'm like, what's touching I'm the back of stuff, my head? I'm, well, this is a visual gag that they won't understand, but I'm going to do stuff like this the whole time. Stop. <laughs> I hate you. Guys, she looked to my left, which is where that door is, and made a startled Looks behind face. her and looks very startled. <laughs> You're such a bitch. Um, that's the ghost going, boo, child. <laughs> that's what he's doing. Is it? Because yeah. it felt like he was touching my hair. Yeah, and then he was. And I did not consent to that, sir. If we're assuming that it's a sir. No, I'm just like, wow, that really, that, that goes right hair. into my story. All right. Well, it's your story about your day. But we're going <laughs> to. Oh, no, your regular story. Oh. <laughs> that goes right into my day. No, that goes into my story. Um, but, yeah, I was like, we're, I feel like we both, we both said that we kind of have, like, shorter stories today, which allows for a little more banter. But you said, let's save the banter for the end. So if y'all aren't feeling it, you could just, like, skip it. Skip what? Oh, the banter. the banter. If it's at the end of it, they're like, "I heard the two ghost stories. I'm not sticking around for this." You know what? That's fair. I think that's fair to our, our listeners to do that. So, do you want to? You went first last time. I did go first. Do you last want me time. to go first? You can this go time? first this time. Okay. Buckle in, everybody. We're just gonna fucking dive right in. So I hope you're ready for it because we didn't banter you up. <laughs> we did not put that banter like a banter ball turkey. Away. Butter. I know I got it. Go. I shook my head at her. <laughs> Ooh, child. Just fucking do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so today I'm taking it back to a good old fashioned ghost story. Mm -hmm. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Born ready. Good. Call me Matt Damon. Oh, Jason Bourne. Because he was, yeah, in the Bourne movies. Got it, got it. All right, guys, so today we're going to be talking about the Hannah House, or known as the Hannah Mansion. Uh, it's located in Indianapolis, Indiana. It was built in 1858. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I went first, so sucks to be you, doesn't it? <laughs> I guess you got to come up with something else on the fly. So, go ahead. You go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, built in 1858 by Alexander Hannah. The 24 room. So it was actually named after the person. For once, yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. Right? You're welcome. I know we all have dealt with grumble for what? I'm going to, I'm sorry. I'm going to cough. Oh. I was going to give you a moment to pause. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to apply. She's already got me startled. <laughs> she just looked down at the ground and looked really concerned. And I was like, is it a mouse? Startling is... Stephanie. That's what they call me. Do they? No one's ever called me that. Well, should we start? No. The mansion is 24 rooms, uh, and obviously it predates the Civil War. Now, obviously. 1858. Uh, Alexander Hanna was um, really well-known in Indiana for a well-known politician, and he was also well-known in Indiana for his stand against slavery. Uh, and before the Civil War, the mansion was part of the Underground Railroad that ran through Indiana. He would hide runaway slaves in the mansion's basement, 
over during the daytime until nighttime when they could then cart them by wagon to the next yeah, like some underground spot. railroad shit. Exactly. Uh, unfortunately, though, because we're talking about this, so it's going to take a turn. One night, uh, a lantern was accidentally knocked over in the basement, catching fire, oh, killing no. most of the slaves that were down there. Right. And because they didn't want anyone to know, everything had to be very hush-hush and kept quiet. They buried the dead in the basement, in the floor. And there's no documentation. And it's really just like by word of mouth, they wanted to keep it hush-hush for a long time. Spoiler alert, this house is haunted. Uh, For a long time, they didn't understand why it was haunted. They didn't know. Because nobody knew about the slaves that were in the basement. No one knew. Oh, my God. So that happened. The other known tragedy, um, well, yeah, semi-known, is that um, according to an Indianapolis psychic, Mrs. Hannah had given birth to a stillborn child on the second floor bedroom. Um, and a visit to the cemetery where her and her husband are buried did find a small, unmarked, infant-sized gravestone in the family plot with only a single date etched in the stone to sort of corroborate that story. So we got, unfortunately, dead people, grown-ups, slaves at the time, in the basement, and then she apparently miscarried and gave birth to a dead baby on the second floor. Ugh. So Hannah himself owned the home until 1899 when uh, his heirs sold the place to another family. Since that time, there have been reports of many strange things in the house, like moving objects, phantom sounds, and the big one is just an unexplainable smell of death, decay, decomposition, just like enough to make people have to walk away and like leave the whole house. house. From 1899 to 1962, various members of these two different families lived in the Grand Mansion. But come 1962, one guy named David Elder took responsibility of being the caretaker of the place. However, he didn't live there. Uh, After he was done from 1968 to 1978, a Mr. and Mrs. O'Brien moved into the mansion and opened an antique store in one part of the mansion and lived part-time in the other parts of the mansion. Right. So that's what kind of happened after he took over. Okay. It was David Elder, 19, the guy who owned it in 1962, who is a descendant of the various families, the two families who lived there right after Hannah. So it didn't pass through a lot of people. It really passed through four families. That's it. Um, he was one of the first ones to suspect that the place was haunted. Um, he would be working there and hear things like smash and break and then go and hear it in the basement like smash and break in the basement and go down there and not not find there's nothing down there now let's get to the good stuff um here's some of the things experienced in the house so this is actually something where i'm like i don't have a lot of history on it the history is kind of bland but the one website where i got a lot of my information has a ton of account like 13 separate accounts of things that have happened just yeah things that have happened so the second floor bedroom where Mrs. Hannah gave birth to a stillborn baby is normally locked up and used for storage. However, it does seem to be like a main hub for some supernatural activity. That's the main place that you smell rotting flesh and you smell death and decay um, strong enough to gag people and make them run outside. On the flip side of that, in the same room, you'll also get a strong, sweet, smell of roses so you've got these two complete opposites of like fucking dead flesh and you know very aromatic roses flowers the door to the oh also and the door to the room will just like freely open whenever it wants that was that was was you (laughs) i know oops uh the door will freely swing open at will even when the room has been securely locked some spooky shit um, and when the door does open up, more things happen. Oh, of um, course. You hear strange noises, footsteps, mumbling voices, uh, felt cold drafts in places where there were no sources for them, and saw other doors and windows open and close without any help. Um, one particular 
story happens to Mrs. O'Brien. So now we're into 1968 to 1978 Mm -hmm. when they took over. She had hired a painter uh, to come spruce up the place. And he kept having the experience of doors swinging open and pictures sliding from the walls as he walked by. Nope. And he finally had enough. And left after a spoon that Mrs. O'Brien had put on a tray flew across the room. No. And that's exactly what he said. And he left. No, ma'am. I think he might have even left his paintbrushes there. He was like, fuck it. No, I'm out. He's like, no, ma'am. Drop drop the brush like it was a mic Mm-mm. and walked out that door. I'm out. I don't even. I'm not even going to invoice so you for this. Like, he don't pay that me. That was over. He left. He didn't. <laughs> oh, my Sorry. God. I think, I think that was earlier. before we were recording, really right? We were was. doing shaggy impressions. It, or was on me. Sorry, go ahead. It was, though. I heard you. I watched you do it. It was me. Your did lips that. were yes, moving. You're absolutely right. Go, you tell your story. It's way more spot. interesting than what I was talking about. I just lost where I was reading. He dropped the paintbrushes. He, dropped the he paint was like, I like, can't handle it. I got to go. This is enough. I don't need to paint your place that bad. Um, so the O'Brien family were the ones who were treated to the full treatment of occurring manifestations as well as Fun. seeing an apparition. Mm-hmm. Yep. They were treated to that. You know, they got it. Uh, the activity increased greatly after they moved in. So they really dealt with the majority the of, it. of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one example, early one evening while the antique shop on the first floor was still open for business, Mrs. O'Brien looked up toward the second floor and saw a glimpse of a man in a black suit who was walking across the upstairs hallway. So she thought it was a customer who had like wandered into the upstairs by mistake. So she starts upstairs to tell him like, She's I'm like, sorry, hey, buddy, sir. This area is closed for customers. Yeah. Like this isn't for you. This is employees only. And uh, when she reached the top of the stairs, the man was gone. Vanished into thin air. Uh, Who knows? Because the original house painter had fled after the spoon incident. Uh, Mrs. O'Brien's son volunteered to help finish the job. Little did he know. Uh, On his first night, he felt that he was being watched closely by an unseen presence, which was a very uncomfortable feeling. So on the second night, he he decided the best idea was to bring his wife and two little daughters to keep him company. Subject the women and children to this because that sounds great I'll bring them with me Um, so they were helping with the painting and while three of them worked in one room the youngest little girl played on the stairs and they heard her talking with someone and came out to investigate she showed no fear and was talking to a grandfatherly type man that she saw and described but her family couldn't see the rest of her family watched her carry on a conversation all over again they were playing Debbie House. They were. Well, I don't know about Debbie House because the rest of the family watched her carry on a conversation mesmerized. Then the little girl said that dad was climbing back up the steps. So totally spooked the family left. So they were playing dad dad's house. house? Daddy's house? Ugh, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. That doesn't sound as good. So they left. They were like, all right, we're out. That's that's our spoon flying across the room moment. We got to go. Um, Mr. O'Brien also saw a transparent apparition who was standing in the archway on the stairs. He was wearing an old-fashioned black suit and had mutton-chop whiskers. Uh, he melted away before Mr. O'Brien could reach him. So a lot of people think that this is the same entity and that it's the entity of Hannah, Alexander mm-hmm. Hannah. Despite Alexander the fact... Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> Not that one. I'm sure he's got his ghost flying around some places, like people say. Like how Thomas Jefferson was apparently at um, the Balleroy Mansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Alexander Hamilton's flying around somewhere. So unlike this place, despite the fact that the staircase leading to the second floor was carpeted, the sound of footsteps varying loudness along with rustling clothing could clearly be heard. <laughs> she glanced knowingly upward at, at, at the Eric Angela or Haley, whoever's walking. stomping around this house. And he's usually, usually a little light, lighter footed. These are Halen? I said Eric is oh. usually a little lighter footed. Halen's not. He's a teenage boy. Know, None of he, them are light footed. He thuds because he's, he's thud. like, I'm a boy and this is how I walk. I'm, I'm a teenage man. <laughs> I'm a growing boy. Stop, 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 stop. 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 Anyways. <laughs> 
Mr. O'Brien also witnessed uh, the door to the attic open by itself after also watching the handle deliberately turn by itself. No, ma'am. Uh, loud groans from somewhere down the second floor hallway were heard by Mr. O'Brien one night as he was watching TV in one of the upstairs bedrooms. Annoyed, he went and yelled down the hall, scolding the ghost to stop its belly aching and leave them in peace. By 1972, the ghostly activity had stopped completely. It's the opposite of what we learned from Mary Angela's family. Right. Look, y'all. We all got... No, I thank you. I want... You. Nope. I would I like wanna, to... I don't want to do this I'd like one. to step away from this narrative. Yep. Um, so, yeah, he told them to stop their belly aching, and they finally ended up going away. Um, like, all right. And for the rest of the time that they lived there until however long i think they were there till 78 um they didn't they have were any other problems yep it was fine so from 1980 to 1982 uh and as far as i know well at this point it was used as a haunted house project of this group called the indianapolis jc's um they would take kids on a tour of the spooky old mansion with special scary effects added for entertainment sure. There are a few, I didn't include these, but there are a few experiences from people who worked there. And then there are experiences from like people who um, came and filmed an episode about the place and about the company doing it. And there was apparently one point where the cameraman was uh, looking at a chandelier and he was like, huh, wouldn't it be cool if that chandelier just started moving? Oh, no. And then it no, started no, no, moving. No, 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 ma'am. So that happened. Um, but now the home, according to their website, which does look a little dated, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but according to their website, their home uh, is open to the occasional tour. And of course, your occasional ghost tour, as they all do. Naturally. Um, so if you would like, you can go. You don't spend the night, so you don't have to worry about bringing your own bed sheets. <laughs> but you can go spend an evening investigating what is known as Indiana's most haunted home for a mere five hundred dollars. What? But That's that it? also includes pizza and soft drinks. Oh, nice! So you get dinner and a ghost show potentially. That's, that's fair. Um, so that's the story of the Hannah House, where it is said that um, the souls of, of the passed away people in the basement, ha Mr. Hannah himself, and occasionally his wife, have been seen. Ooh, that's my Hannah. ghost story. Try to keep it a little bit lighter, since I've been going a little heavy lately. <laughs> I was like, let me do something a little bit. There's like two deaths that happened, and... These aren't spirits that are sleeves. hurting That's anybody. Terrible. That's terrible. That's awful. It absolutely is. That's but it's, oof. you know, Ugh. it's not, they didn't have to eat each other. So I don't know. Um, well, that was a good story. What are you talking? It was fine. I'm, I apologize, guys, if that wasn't riveting. <laughs> I had a day. I'll tell you about it at the end. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll get into, we'll talk about our days, but we'll get into tell talking what you about got. what I'm going to talk about. Um, cause I don't, I'm still confused and have a lot of feelings about what I'm going to talk about. I'm ready. Hit me with it. So it's less of a story and more of, I'm going to tell you about this place and this concept. Okay. So have you, <laughs> the, I don't know why it's not just called this, but sometimes it's called this and sometimes people call it other things, but there's this new show on Netflix. I think it's called dark tourism, um, which I watched and kind of like was in and out of. Um, when I was <laughs> doing laundry yesterday, sorry, Dark Tourist, and it's on Netflix. And it goes into, like, people taking tourism trips to do, like, these really, like, off-the-wall, like, crazy, like, kind of fucked up things. Like, he goes to this one place in Cambodia where people pay money to, like, kill animals and some crazy shit like that. And he ends up not being able to go through with it. Like, I think he was, he was going to, like, shoot a cow or something. And he goes to one place to learn about, like, voodoo rituals, like, all sorts of stuff. So on one episode... They talk about this place called McCamey Manor. And are you familiar with the, how would I put this? Like the concept of like torture tourism. Is that kind of like that movie Hostel is based off of? So I didn't see Hostel, but not like, I just know in Hostel, like they stay in a hostel and they get tortured. Do people pay to torture them or something? Yes. So this isn't people pay to torture people. This is people paying to be tortured. Oh. So people... That took a twist. Yeah. So people will pay a lot of money to set up a whole scenario where they get abducted and tortured. And, like, I, I don't... I'm 
baffled by this because I can't believe this is a thing. But this is a real thing. And I'd heard about it before. But McKamey Manor is... How did you, how did you hear about this before? How did I hear about it before? Because the internet. Mm, okay. um, <laughs> right, I heard about... And I was like, is that a thing that people do? I can't imagine. But there was a whole episode of Dark Tourist about it where he goes to this place called McKamey Manor. Okay? So McKamey Manor isn't a haunted place. Um, it's a place where people go and pay this guy to torture them. Only this guy doesn't charge for his services. Instead of paying money, he has people donate 50-pound bags of dog food, which he then donates to the local animal shelter. Oh, my God. And he thinks that what he's doing is, like, he considers himself, like, an entertainer. And he thinks that he's doing, like, this, like, service because people – and people come – and by all means, like, there are waiting lists. Like, there are waiting lists with thousands of people who want to go see this guy, <laughs> um, but he'll only take like two or three people a night and he takes them out to his barn and does all sorts of horrible shit to them. Um, and they used to not have a safe word, which they have had to add in more recent years because people, he's been like, y'all signed a waiver. You knew what you were getting into. Like you wanted this, this is what you asked for. And there are people who are like, I repeatedly asked him to stop. And he's like, it's all part of the fun. So... Now they've installed a situation where there's a safe phrase, but there wasn't always a safe phrase, which to me is like mind boggling. Um, I feel like my eyes are so big. Um, like I'm just in shock and awe and I have so many questions. I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go, go, so go, go. I was just going to read you like the Wikipedia page about it and then talk a little bit more about it. And I would love your conversation and, or your questions. And we'll, oh I figured God. this would lead to like an incredibly interesting conversation. So McKamey Manor is a nonprofit haunted house or extreme haunt, which was founded by San Diego, California resident Russ <gasps> McKamey. I have heard about this, but not described as torture tourism, but just as like a, these crazy fucking haunted houses. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. and originally located on his property, it's regarded by some as the scariest haunted house in America and is known for its violence and cruelty towards its guests who must sign a liability waiver to get in. The manor may give its patrons unwanted haircuts, drench them in fake blood, submerge them in water, force them to eat and drink unknown substances, have them bound and gagged, or engage in other forms of emotional and psychological torture. No. Mm -mm. The house permits just a handful of patrons to enter each weekend, and guests are not required to pay an entrance fee. Instead, McKamey accepts payment only in dog food for his pet dogs. The tour can last anywhere from four to eight hours. Oh, my God. And no guest has ever made it all the way through. And despite there being no safe word, which has changed, that allows guests to leave prematurely. McKamey has advised that there is a safe phrase which can be used to end the experience. The house operates year-round, and there is a waiting list of over 24,000 people. As of November 22nd, 2014, a woman named Sarah P. held the record time at McKamey Manor, enduring six hours. Sarah with an H. Yeah, yeah. Sarah without an H probably would have only made it like four she hours. Would've, she wouldn't have done it. McKamey <laughs> Manor was featured extensively in, 20, in the 2017 documentary film Haunters, The Art of the Scare. As of 2018, the San Diego location was permanently closed mm-hmm. with two new facilities opening in Nashville, Tennessee and Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, Mitch, Leah, that's where you guys are. <laughs> that's where y'all are. You need to talk about this. Um, <laughs> almost said one of you guys go, and I was like, no, no, don't. Never mind. Please don't. Please don't go. Please. There don't. are videos, um, which I couldn't bring myself to watch. I watched of the, enough of, of it in on action. Yes, I watched enough of it on Dark Tourist to be like, I'm not going to watch videos of this. Did he go through it? He couldn't go. He tried, but he and he said beforehand that he didn't really want to do it and would probably give up very quickly. And he did. And the thing about the safe phrase is that the safe phrase is usually something like kind of humiliating. And they have to say, right, they have to they like agree upon it beforehand. But they usually have to say like that they're a coward and that they're pathetic and they couldn't do it. And there was a person that he was going in with who had been, you know, waiting for months to go in. And that person's safe phrase, so the, the host name was David, and that person's safe phrase was he had to say, like, I'm more of a coward than David, I'm pathetic, like, I can't do it, and blah, 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 even though he mm-hmm. lasted longer mm-hmm. than David, but he was somebody who actually wanted to do it. Yeah. But there's hours of, like, intense psychological 
stuff that leads up to them before they even go in and do any of the torture stuff. But usually they're like blindfolded with duct tape. Mm-hmm. And he, the, <laughs> the McCamey wouldn't call it waterboarding, but I'm like, I would call it waterboarding. Where like, I mean, they dunk them in water and they're blindfolded. They can't see and they grab them by like the chest and they'll hold mm-hmm. them under. They're the guy who was in there with the host like they kept telling him he had to hold his breath for 30 seconds and they would hold him under and come back up and he would be gasping and he couldn't breathe and like that was only 25 and they put him back like repeatedly um there's like make people eat bugs have bugs crawl over their face there are he said there's a tank with um with like eels and he's like the eels won't shock you but they'll like wrap around your face and really creep you (sighs) out right um, I don't like that. I know. <laughs> there's um, mm, 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 mm. there's all sorts of different, like, horrible things that people can go through. But, of course, nobody's made it through the whole thing. But there's all sorts of stuff. But one of the things in, like, the new the new Tennessee location, because they got run out of town in San Diego. Oh, really? Is um, that what happened? And there's nothing that explicitly says that. That's just kind of the impression that I get. Enough people were like... We don't want this here. Yeah. Enough people were like... I was tortured there and these horrible things happened to me and they were eventually just like, we're going to go to Tennessee and do this in the middle of the woods. (laughs) And he basically made a deal with like the police when he got out there where like he has to call them and tell them before he starts every tour because they get calls from people who are like, there's screaming happening over here. And there's this one woman who like the first time that they went out there because they moved to Tennessee, right? They weren't always there. They were in San Diego for like 10 years before Mm -hmm. they moved to to Tennessee, um, where there was a woman who was in the basement and was like duct taped and like all this shit had happened and like had to tell them that she was there consensually, that she had agreed to be there, that she had asked for this to be done to her. Because otherwise, like if they said, someone had said like if they had talked to her or if they had seen her and then seen McKamey without having heard from her that she was, they would have shot him on yeah. site. They would have been like, what the fuck is happening here? And just shot what him. Was, what was done to her? Um, did it say? Let me see if I can find. Ugh, there's all sorts of people talking. I have all sorts of articles open with different people talking about things that have happened to them there. Um, but this woman uh, specifically. Let me see. Give me a second to find that. According to Mr. McCamey, they had the woman down in the storm shelter, and she was down there consensually, but the deputies didn't know that, Cooper tells the scene. The way he described the scene to us, if the deputies had gone down there to see what he had done to this woman, the deputies would have shot Mr. McCamey. Mr. McCamey. Um, and it doesn't say exactly what all had been done to her at that time. Um, thankfully, the day didn't end in tragedy. The battery died on Mr. McCamey's camera. He films everything. And when he left the storm shelter to grab another, he encountered the officers and explained the situation. The woman confirmed that she was voluntarily participating in the show. It really freaked them out, says Cooper. Before the deputies found Mr. McCamey, they found a lot of the props in the barn, and some of those were pretty gory looking. They were really freaked out about what kind of activities were going on in this place. Jeez. Um, The guy, so he, there's all sorts of weird shit about it, right? So... So he says it's a non-for-profit, so he doesn't take any money to do it. He just takes dog food because he thinks he's doing, like, a service. But he – there's a lot of stuff to me about it that screams, like, weird, like – not just serial killery, but, like, weird, like, sexual shit. And the host had even asked him, like – when he's like, oh, you don't make any money off of this? And he's like, no. And he's like, do you sell the videos as fetish videos? Like, is that how you make money? And he was like, fetish videos? Oh, no. But there are plenty of people – who, of course, he calls them haters. But there are plenty of people who are like, this dude is a sadist. Like, he's a sexual sadist. Like, he gets off on doing this. And he would insist, like, nothing sexual ever happens there. And that's not why he does it. But I'm like, that's I'm like, I, there, I can't make sense of it. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't explain it to you. Like, why the people? I don't know. But I can tell you, like, the facts. <laughs> I can tell you all sorts of stuff about it. But I will never understand, like, this, like, why people would, like, want to do this to themselves. But there's this one woman who um, she, well, she said it, like, ruined her life. So not just because of the experience, but, like, so he makes them do stuff, like, before they even come um, to show their loyalty, which to me, I'm like, that's totally, that's, I'm sorry, I'm on Tumblr. I know a lot of BDSM shit. I'm like, that is totally some Dom shit right there. So for him to be like, it's not sexual, it's nothing like that, I'm like, bullshit. You're a scary, sadistic Dom man, and this is like how you do, whatever. You're a Tumblr Dom. Which if you're on Tumblr, you'll know what that means. 
Um, I just outed myself in weird ways. So in 2016, uh, Laura Hurt's Brotherton traveled from Colorado to San Diego to tour McKamey Manor. She says she left with more than just bumps and bruises. It nearly ruined her life. A self-proclaimed Halloween guru, Brotherton first found out about the manor in San Diego when she was searching the internet for local haunted houses and happened across some of McKamey's videos. I saw that it was interactive. The actors can touch you. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so up my alley. Brotherton tells the scene. Because regular haunted houses just don't do it for me. She reached out to McKamey to learn more about the experience. After talking for about a month, she booked a date, October 23, 2016. It just was a couple of months away. Leading up to the date, McKamey sent Brotherton tasks, homework assignments, basically, that she had to complete as evidence of loyalty to McKamey Manor. She had to do things like get a onesie to wear for the tour, which everyone has to wear a onesie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What? Probably because it's humiliating and embarrassing. Because he's mean, a freak. Not for us. Right. We I'm wear like, them all the time. Right. But I'm that's, like, you mean I get to but that's a peaches? whole thing. They all have to, everyone who goes through has to wear a onesie. They all have to get an adult size onesie and wear it through the experience. <laughs> Any onesie you want? Yeah. From what I understand, I've seen, I, like, all the pictures, I've seen people in all sorts of onesies, but everyone is in a onesie. <laughs> I would just hate to walk in and see someone getting tortured and they're in that onesie from a Christmas story. The one like I have, the bunny rabbit. Yes. I was like, you know, I have a bunny rabbit onesie. Um, so she had to do things like get a onesie to wear for her tour or videotape a visit to a nearby spirit Halloween store. Fun stuff, Brotherton says. She even got a McKamey Manor tattoo ahead of the trip. Oh, which, girl, yeah, I'm like, girl. I don't feel sorry for her on no, that part. No, that was a bad move. It reads McKamey Manor, Manor at the Chamber, October 23rd, 2016. Drops of blood are dripping from the script letters. While posting these assignments on Facebook, as McKamey requested, Brotherton, who was going through a separation with her husband, started to hit it off with another fan of, on the page. This man, who lived on the other side of the country, said he was experiencing something similar with his wife. It's embarrassing to say, but it turned into an online romantic relationship, Brotherton said. October finally arrived, and Brotherton flew to San Diego. Her estranged husband traveled with her. Their marriage was rocky, but he still wanted to make sure she was safe, and she had the support of her online boyfriend, too. But on the morning of her tour, McKamey found out about Brotherton's online fling. McKamey outed the private relationship to everyone, including their families. While Brotherton's husband knew about the relationship, the new guy's wife didn't, and the online boyfriend was allegedly lying about being separated— All hell broke loose. He blew me off, Brotherton says, of her online boyfriend. He didn't even speak to me. The one guy that I was interested in dropped me like a hot potato, and my then-separated husband tells me he wants a divorce literally minutes before my tour. I was kind of emotionally numb, but at the same time, I still wanted to do it, she adds. I came so far doing all the challenges, and I had given up so much of my personal life to do this, I just couldn't turn back. Brotherton believes McKamey was personally offended by her online relationship. All he kept saying was, I don't believe in cheaters, she says, and it caused her tour to spiral into something far more sinister than the usual McKamey Manor experience. With McKamey manning the camera and calling the shots, the McKamey Manor actors, as he calls them, the staff who actually get physical with each participant, began the haunt, and it didn't end for hours. I was waterboarded. I was tased. I was whipped, she says. I still have scars of everything they did to me. I was repeatedly hit in my face over and over again, like open-handed, as hard as a man could hit a woman in the face. Even through them hitting me, I was so numb by what happened previous to that, I didn't even make a sound or a grunt, nothing. I didn't even cry. I didn't scream. I didn't say ouch. Brotherton says she was blindfolded with duct tape and submerged underwater by her ankles for so long that her body started involuntarily thrashing. They made her dig a shallow hole in a patch of dirt with her bare hands. Then they made her lie in it while covered her face in dirt, giving her only a straw to breathe through. Mm -mm. The dirt started to go into my throat, and I started to swallow it, she says. I'm coughing, and I keep saying I need water, and they would just splash water in my face. They wouldn't actually give me water. That went on for, I would say, 20 to 30 minutes. At one point, she said they started scraping at her McKamey Manor tattoo with what felt like a file. She believes they used the same tool to scratch her throat, and that's when she broke. I didn't panic, but I started to get a little bit emotional, and one actor is holding my throat, and at that point, I just started to cry. I couldn't help it. I started crying, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, whatever, but they don't care if you cry. They don't care if you pee or poop your pants. They don't care because it's all about the show, not about a person's safety. Brotherton says she repeated the safe phrase for several minutes before they finally stopped hurting her. 
They sprayed her down with a pressure water, a pressure washer, duct tape still over her eyes, and drove her back to the drop-off location. My arms and hands were shaking so much from adrenaline, they thought I was seizing. Before she was allowed to leave, she says, she had to record an exit video. Everyone who visits McCamey Manor does. Before Russ turned the camera on, he said to me, if I do not say good things about McCamey Manor, I will start telling what actually happened. He's going to sue me for $50,000, says Brotherton. I signed a waiver saying this could happen, so Russ forced me into saying all these things like, oh my god, my tour was amazing, it was exhilarating, blah, blah, blah. Like, who is actually going to say that after getting hit in the face as many times as I did and going through what I went through? At that point, I was so distraught emotionally, physically, mentally, psychologically. I mean, at that point, I was like, I will do whatever you want me to say. Yeah. Jesus. Um, Brotherton went back to her hotel room and took a shower. As the adrenaline wore off, she began to realize how much pain she was in, so she drove herself to the hospital. She also took photographs to document the injuries. In one photo, Brotherton is in a neck brace and a hospital gown, and her face is markedly swollen. She has scrapes on her cheeks, a lump on her forehead, her, her lips are red and puffy, and there are small cuts at the corners of her mouth. In another image, you can see a large bloody wound on Brotherton's left knee. She says that's an old surgery scar that opened up after McCamey's actors cut, uh, cut off her knee pads and made her crawl on the ground. Her legs are covered in scratches, and there's a large purple bruise on the top of her left foot. There are also pictures of her torso showing large purple bruises that stretch across her hip and stomach. She says x-rays showed a hairline fracture in her foot, and the inside of her mouth was so stretched from being hit and fish hooking where they take two fingers in each and put them in the corners of your mouth and stretch your mouth open. And the hospital sent her home with medical mouthwash, which she had to use every two hours for three days. When she refused to tell this hospital staff how she was injured, McCamey's threats to sue echoing in her head, they called the police, but she was discharged and left before any authorities arrived. Brotherson said she tried to go to the San Diego police later, but they told her she didn't have a criminal case because of the waiver that she signed. Mm -hmm. All she wants now is an apology. She's happy, she says, and she and her husband have worked things out, but she wants closure. Damn. Yeah. I just, but is that the most violent account? That's out there. That's just one of many accounts. I have another. I was like, so I have I'm a like, ton of them. If you want to hear do more, they, I'm like, I don't know if I can stomach hearing more. I know, and that like these people willingly did it, and that these other people are like there are, doing the it thing to that them. gets me right is there are videos of it, and there are so many people who. I'm like, you can withdraw consent at any time. So I'm not like, you know, I don't feel bad that she's like, I went and this is horrible and and I want to stop and now it stopped. It should have stopped as soon as she said she wanted it to stop, mm-hmm. not several minutes later. I, not that I want to say these people deserve, but I'm like, they go there. I don't know what they expect. There are videos and there are a ton of them. And there are all these articles where people talk about what happens to you. And there are a ton of people who have gone and they, even though they couldn't finish, rave about the experience. Yeah. There are tons of people who are like fans. And a lot of the people who, I believe many of the actors who are there are people who have been through it are people who it's so like saw it's so creepy where it's like you know they become like his disciples when they've yeah. survived what Ugh. he puts them through yeah um but i feel now i didn't say see anything that said this but i feel like that had a lot to do with their move to tennessee was they had all these after 10 years they had all these people who were like this is a fucking horrible place and these things happened to me and that wasn't what I agreed to and, you know, it was awful, I was tortured, whatever. And enough of that, he was like, let's fucking move to the middle of nowhere in Tennessee and try and start this all over again. Um, See what happens in Tennessee. Yeah. So this place is still around, the McCamey Manor. (laughs) Um, And again, these are people, there's a 24,000 person wait list of people who are trying to go there. So I don't, I cannot wrap my mind. You know, I can understand wanting to watch horror movies. I can understand, you know, wanting to get scared a little bit. I can't understand, like, wanting to be tortured. Like, I can't fathom that. Like, I mean, and you talk about how they use a lot of mental torture. I'm like, you're not just walking away when that's done, taking a shower. Right, you're carrying a lot of that away with you. Yeah. And that's, he even says that, like, the psychological stuff that he does is way more fucked up than the than, like, the physical pain he puts people through. But the two are tied together. hmm Because it's a whole experience. Because it's a whole experience. Does he mention how he came up with this idea? Um, I don't... I didn't see anything that, that had to do with that. Like, what the origin is? He... I know he said that he... I don't know if he was a Navy SEAL, but he was in the Navy. 
I only think maybe because I'm like, did he have to go through that kind of front front shot? Um, but he was in the Navy, and the only money that he gets is his like Navy stipend from retiring from the Navy. Because remember, he doesn't charge people to do his thing. He just tells them to bring him a bag of dog food. And then he lives off of his Navy pension. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, I'm speechless. And I just can't. It's been a long day. And then you hit me with this. And I'm just like, holy God. Brandon Vance has taken the tour twice. Uh, since McCamey moved to Summertown, and he can't wait to go again. What? He's visited hundreds of haunted houses over the years. He and his friends toured them every weekend during Halloween season. And to get to McCamey's, Vance has to drive from McKinney, Texas. That's a <gasps> 10-hour trip each way. Yeah. For Vance, touring McCamey Manor is about more than just being scared. He describes it as therapeutic, a way to cope with missing the adrenaline rush he felt during his time in the Army. I try to fill those gaps with some of the most extreme things, Vance tells scene. McCamey Manor, skydiving, bungee jumping, rock climbing. I've done everything. I don't get that adrenaline rush from jumping out of a plane anymore. It's not the same as when you're sitting in a Humvee locked and loaded. You've said your last prayer and go outside the wire. It's very hard to replicate that. With McCamey Manor, he continues, that's the closest I've ever come. I get to experience that feeling again. It's almost euphoric. Vance knows he's not going to die in McCamey Manor, but the illusion of being unsafe gives him the thrill. The fear of the unknown in and of itself can be terrifying, and that's part of it, he says. The whole thing is head games. That's what's great about it. Vance's first trip through the manor didn't last nearly as long as Brotherton's. While McCamey says Brotherton's ordeal went on for nearly two hours, Brotherton puts it closer to three, Vance, once he made it through the waiver process and into McCamey's mysterious lair, lasted less than a minute. <laughs> he laughs when he admits how quickly he caved. The second time, Vance says, he lasted all of three minutes. He had to pull the plug when he found himself tied up in a straitjacket with duct tape over his face and some kind of fencing material constricting his entire body as he was lowered into a trench full of water. I have this thing with water and it freaked me out, he says. I quit. Scott McNinch didn't last long either. The married father of five and general manager of Folklore Haunted House in Atlanta drove four hours from his home in Dallas, Georgia, to take a crack at McKinney's $20,000 reward. Oh, there's a $20,000 reward if you can make it through the whole thing. I just got to take a second to back up to this first guy who talks about how he's doing this for the adrenaline And rush. he had a great time, and, and he's never been able to last more than three minutes. minutes. Dude, of course, Girl. of course you love that. I'm like, okay, I can get the adrenaline. I like to ride a roller coaster. Um, like, he must be crazy spending hours. And I'm like, oh, three minutes? Oh, go fuck Big yourself. Big bought an orange Charmander Pokemon onesie on Amazon and arrived at McCamey's Manor at 2 p.m., prepared to give it his all. How long did he last on his tour? A minute. Oh, less than a minute, he says with a laugh. McNinch won't say what happened in his brief McCamey Manor tour, but he is definitely going back. A few Ooh. weeks after his trip, he got a large, colorful tattoo of McCamey Manor logo on his right arm. Rivers of blood are pouring out of a gagged man's eyes, and silhouetted monsters are lurking in the background. 1618, it says above the image, which, you know, January 6, 2018, with McCamey Manor underneath in Friday the 13th-esque title font. On a Saturday, on this Saturday afternoon, February Vanover, which is the person that they follow for the majority of this article, this is from Nashville Scene, by the mm -hmm. way. Uh, Vanover says his goal is just to last longer than all the other guys. Five hours into the contract signing, which the contract signing itself takes like six hours, um, despite occasionally burping up the taste of funky seafood, he's still enthusiastic. At this point, his only complaint is that his leg keeps falling asleep and his hands are starting to go numb as he sits out on the hardwood floor of McCamey's porch in the cold, rainy weather. Finally, after dark, Vanover gets his first assignment. McCamey wraps red duct tape over Vanover's head and eyes. Then he fits Vanover with a water polo helmet, which has been outfitted to hold a walkie-talkie up to his ear. McCamey throws a duffel bag of bricks on Vanover's back and tells him he has to run five laps around the yard in the mud and the rain while carrying the 50-pound bag of dog food he brought as payment. Vanover can't see, he can hardly hear, and he only has the chain-link fence and his wife to guide him. Okay. Before he completes two laps, Vanover drops the bag of Purina and gives up. McCamey takes pity on him. This wasn't a breaker challenge after all, so even though Vanover quit in the middle of his first task, he's still allowed to go back to the manor. That is, the big red barn and shipping containers standing in McCamey's backyard. McCamey and Graham guide Vanover back off the porch and they disappear into the rainy night. 
Minutes later, while sitting in McCamey's home, Vanover's wife and I hear clanging metal in the distance. We peek out the blinds, but we can't see anything. She seems nervous but happy for Vanover, whom she describes as an adrenaline junkie, to experience this thing he's been excited about. Then 45 minutes later, we hear laughing, but Vanover didn't last 45 minutes. He lasted three seconds. According to his exit interview, which streamed live on Facebook, Vanover quit the instant the cold water washed over him. McCamey says he tried to get him to continue with a different stunt, the rat race and the head box, which were mentioned, but Vanover passed. McCamey Manor kicked his ass as Vanover had to admit in the safe phrase, releasing him. In three seconds, his face wasn't battered and bruised, his lips weren't swollen. He said he's looking forward to trying it again, perhaps Mm -hmm. in warmer weather. The next day on his drive home, Vanover logged back into his Facebook to address everyone who watched the shows. I had a great time yesterday, he says. It was a blast. He added, it's like they say, you really don't want to do this. That's actually really accurate, and it makes sense now. But I'll definitely be returning to take a second tour. The matter is when. Here's the thing. There is no $20,000. There's no Cayman named Ralphie. There's, there was, there's a whole thing about them having to go through a moat full of Caymans, which are like tiny alligators. Mm-hmm. There's no Cayman named Ralphie. There's no quicksand-like mud that will swallow you whole. And McCamey will certainly never slather your body in flame-retardant gel and lock you in an incinerator somewhere in Huntsville, Alabama. None of that is real. What McCamey has is a story. A good one. Fiendish and fascinating. It's the promise of impossible adventure. It's the opportunity to break free of your personal boundaries, your mundane day-to-day, and embrace the opportunity to surprise yourself by testing your limits. And all it costs is a bag of dog food and maybe your eyebrows. But things can go wrong. Things have gone wrong. So why does McCamey do it? I do it for the fans, he says. I do it for guys like Brian Vanover. These are enthusiastic people who understand and appreciate the art form that we're doing. This is an art form. No one has ever completed a full McCamey Manor tour. That's not for lack of trying. It's by design. A full stay lasts 10 excruciating hours. McCamey says, and no one has ever made it to the supposed Huntsville portion of the show. Because there's those two locations. Because they start in one location and take you to the other. But nobody's ever made it to that part. McCamey knows what will break people, and after stringing them along with some fake blood, gnarly props, and a silly afternoon of wall sits and Elton John songs, he can simply pull out what's needed to shut the show down when he's ready for it to end, which doesn't take long. McCamey says the average time spent in Summertown McCamey Manor location is just eight minutes. I had to ask, has anyone gotten the $20,000 prize or any money? Oh, Megan, surely you jest, McCamey says with a laugh. Of course not, and they never will, because it's so mentally and physically challenging, but it will be the most exciting thing that you've ever done. No, it won't, because I'm not going to do it. And that's McCamey Manor. My head hurts. (laughs) Listening to that was torture. Hearing about people wanting to get tortured and then justifying it. Like that, what that one guy said completely contradicted himself. He's like, no, this isn't something you want to do. You don't want to do it. Because that's what they tell people when they come. When they, and that's what happens in all the videos. They're like, you don't want to do this. You don't want to come here. I'll be back next week, guys. Yeah. It's mind blowing. And I think what upsets me more than anything is the people that, there are people that are, like, fans of the place, whether they've gone or not, that shit all over the people that are, like, it was horrible. And, like, I have flashbacks and it was really terrible. And there are people, like, those people are such wimps. And I'm, like, the fuck do you know about torture? Like, what do you know about that? How dare you? How No one is a – I would like to put this out there for anyone. No one is a wimp because they don't enjoy being tortured. That, does, that doesn't make anybody a wimp. That makes you a completely normal, sane person. <laughs> yeah, and it blows my mind. And, like, I knew it was a thing that existed. Like, I had heard about that kind of thing. But, like, this is the first, like, place I've been – like, first time I've been given, like, a concrete place of, like, mm-hmm. that does this instead of just as a concept. Like, people yeah. want to do this apparently. I think I saw like one thing about it somewhere because it sounds like vaguely familiar, but I also didn't read anymore because I'm just I yeah, I just can't imagine someone wanting to actually go somewhere and be like mentally and physically hurt in some shape, form or fashion. But I also don't go to haunted houses. I don't watch scary movies. I can't figure out like what bothers me about it more, like how much he enjoys it or like the fact that they're are people clamoring to get in 
And like people, not just, you know, people who've never been, but people who've been are like, I want to go again. I got to go back. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? No, thank you. I don't understand. I don't like it. Um, I do feel happy that that took up more time than I anticipated. But that's because you had questions, so I could oh my God. read some more horrible things. Those, I, yeah, no, those stories are awful. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way. you. I would never, ever in a million never. years ever put myself not in even that for, situation. Even, I'm not even going to be like, you know what's a cheap, fun night out? We just got to buy a bag of dog food. Let's go to Jamie Manor. No. <laughs> I got a bag of dog food. You guys, we're on a budget. You no, know and people have to go through all sorts of shit before they, like, they have, excuse me, they have to get, like, um, they have to get, like, a mental evaluation before they come, like, a letter from a doctor that says that they're mentally stable to to do the Mahaney Manor. So here's the thing. If you want to do this manor, I think that's the number that one sign that you're not That should already be a sign that you're not, uh, that you're not all stable. there. No, I agree. <laughs> no one of sound mind and body would want to do this to themselves. You, and that's what they tell people. You no don't want to do this. You don't want to come here. Well, that means they're getting them with that reverse psychology. Do it. You won't. And you're like, oh, like it's not fun. It. You're going to come here and be tortured. And you're going to cry here and, and you're going to feel like shit. But then you're going to act like it was fun because you wanted to save face. Right. Because you want to look badass in front of all your friends because you're, you have a problem. I'm like weirdly intrigued. And surprise, not surprised, though, that at least two of the people that used as examples and the people who are like, we can't wait to go back. We love it. Are both people who served and are like, we need this adrenaline rush. Oh, sure. Like, that is That's some like, level of yes. like, you need therapy, I too. Agree. Like, that is some kind like, of. You've been through some shit and you need to talk to and somebody. You're like this. Can you imagine mm-hmm. what their doctor was like? Have you ever heard of the McCain man? <laughs> They were like, Doc, listen, I just need something. Okay, so I'm you want to know really where to get that inside. rush? All right. Don't I tell anybody I told you. you this, but there's this one called the McCain Manor. <laughs> don't tell them I told you, but. But, yeah. I went, I lasted 30 seconds. And yeah, I'm like, and, and the people that say back. they want to go back, right, are people who weren't even there five minutes. This one was like, I was in there for like three hours, and I wanted, I thought I was going to die. I was like, three hours? Dear Jesus, yeah. God. Oh, yeah. So, McCain Manor and torture tourism. And people are fucking crazy. How was your day? <laughs> <laughs> fucking crazy. <sighs> no, it was just one of those days. I, I think I texted you and I was like, it's just been a, a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. One like right after the other. And it started with me waking up at like three o'clock in the morning and checking my phone and like checking my work email because I was afraid that like my email got hacked last week. I remember that. Um, and I went through a whole ordeal where I had to like change all my passwords on my Google email and I could still access it through my phone, but I couldn't access it through my work email. Um, so I woke up and it was saying that I had an incorrect password and looked like it had like logged me out and I didn't and I was putting in my password and it wasn't working. So I woke up, you know, I did that and I went, oh fuck, my work email got hacked. What am I going to do? I was like, it's not that big of a deal. And then I'm like, oh, yes, it is, because there's a lot of really important information on my work email. If someone is going to go through my work email, it's got, like, bank information, shit like, like crate shit that, you know, if someone got their hands on it, they could probably do damage. So I didn't sleep much last night. And I was, like, up all night, super anxious, because I also couldn't do anything about it at 4 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. I can't call my IT people to be like, I need you to change my password on my email, like, take care of this at 4 o'clock in the morning. So I tossed and turned and, like, slept a little bit. I woke up early. I left early to be able to go deal with it. And I got pulled over on my drive into work. Oh, no. Yeah. And I got a ticket. Were you speeding? No, I I timed the orange light wrong, and by the time I realized that I needed to stop, I wasn't. And I was he, going and too he fast. And he ran the red, yeah. And I ran the red, and he got me, and he came up, and he was like, "So what happened with that red light back there?" And I said, "Honestly, I didn't feel like it was safe to stop. I felt like I was going way too fast. I totally didn't time it right." And uh, he was really nice. Like he wasn't, you know, mean or anything like that. I've dealt with some asshole cops, but he came back and he was like, "I'm really." Sorry, but because of this new, like, thing we have, because I saw you do it, I have to write you a ticket. Right. But, you know, fill this out. Plead not guilty. I'll see you in a month. We'll work out, you know, something. <laughs> he's, he's like, I love you. He's even like, just plead not guilty. It's fine. We'll deal with it. That was exactly what, I gotta what, write you what a he ticket. said. It's my job. Yeah. And so I was just like, I wasn't even, 
I, I wasn't even mad about like last time I got a ticket. I was mad. The guy was an asshole. I wasn't speeding. I was mad. This one, I'm like, no, you got me. Like I took a chance. I didn't time it right. But I was just like, awesome. I didn't sleep. And I got this ticket and I went to go hand him my license. And I was, he was like, license and registration. I was like, great. And I handed him my license and my insurance. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. This is my insurance. Let me find my registration. Here's my, I was like, it's a Monday. I'm so sorry. Cause I'm like sleepy and only thinking about my email at work and like am I gonna get fired but <laughs> like my worst case scenario that kept going through my mind was that someone got into my email figured out our bank account information and wiped our entire bank account in the middle of the night on sure. Sunday because that's of course you know what could happen so I got pulled over I got a ticket so I got into work and the email wasn't working and so I called the IT people and I was like, listen, I think I got hacked. I don't know what to do. And he was like, oh, no, your server is down for your email. Oh, my God. The server's down. And I was like, OK, well, has it been down since like three o'clock this morning? Because that's when I noticed and it. He was like, and he was yeah. like, yeah. And I was like, is there any way for you to get in and even see if like my password's been changed recently or if that's all still good? And he was like, no, I can't even access. Mm -hmm. I can't access any of it. So I was like, OK, well, maybe this will get fixed like in an hour or two. No big deal. All, all day. day it's still not up mm. i had to call three times my boss got in he started venting to me like you know being like well i don't can you get on the phone and like yell at them and, and do something and i'm like it's not gonna fix, fix it. it there's nothing i can do right? me yelling at them on the phone isn't gonna make them fix the server faster like that's not how that works Good so job, he's all boss. stressed but it literally means that the amount of things that we can i can get done in my work day is Are slim none. to none and so it was just a day of that. We had a few things happen where like placements fell through and some other bullshit. It was just a day. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's a long day. I had this really weird dream on Friday night that I've been thinking about all weekend. And then we had to talk about it in therapy. And then she made me talk about what I think all the things in my dream mean. So I'm going to tell you about this weird dream I had on Friday. I was like, are you going to tell me about the dream? You going? I was like, do you want to? <clears throat> so I had this weird dream on Friday night that me and I was with my mom, which just so listeners know, my mom passed away in 2012. So like my mom's been gone a while. So it was me and my mom and we pulled up to my childhood home, which my mom sold the house the year I like, graduated high school. So I've lived in that house in longer than since my mom died. So... And there was nothing weird to me about it. Like, we just pulled up to the house, and, like, that was whatever. And there was a window on the side of the house, and <laughs> I saw Xander's little foot, like, hanging out of the window, um, which, again, I got my cat after my mom died, so my cat and my mom were never at the same place at the same time. And we could see his little foot hanging out of the window, and we were like, oh, the window is oh, like the cat's in the window why is the window open mm -hmm. and I was like well I'm gonna go explore this way mom and like you go that way and we'll figure out like what's going on like if somebody broke into the house or whatever so I came into the side of the house and um came in through our laundry room and then went into our living room and Snoopy was in our living room which Snoopy is Sarah's <laughs> dog you guys again my mom this house this dog they're never the same place same time so Snoopy was in the living room and I'm looking around for like something weird and there was a snake on the couch. Um, and I'm not really like afraid of snakes. I used to be, but I have like a friend who breeds them. And so I became like familiar with like handling them and stuff. And I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to get the snake out of our house. And I just like very calmly like scooped up the snake and went outside and like put the snake down. And then I came back in the house and Snoopy was like in the floor and there was a bigger snake. There was like a big like... I don't know what kind of snake it was. It was just a giant snake. And it unhinged its jaw and was swallowing Snoopy, like, from behind. It was just, like, swallowing him. Um, and I was like, no, ma'am, and went up and, like, picked up the snake. And, like, a tube of toothpaste just, like, squeezed, squeezed right, squeezed Snoopy out. And I was like, no, sir, like... To, and Snoopy was fine, like just made the snake like like just throw up because I was like, you that's they tell you never to move a snake when it's eaten because it'll throw up. I was like, I'm gonna make you throw up. You're not eating that fucking dog. And like, thank you for saving squeeze my dog it, from like the a big tube snake. of toothpaste to like keep Snoopy out of his mouth. So like save Snoopy. And then like as I was getting rid of the bigger snake is like when I woke up. Okay. So that was like my weird dream. So my therapist kept being like, well, what do you think all these things represent? Oh, and then here's the weirder thing. So that happened Friday night, right? And then 
not to get through like a bunch of like Mary Angela's personal drama, but like there was a yeah. whole thing that happened at their house um, Friday and they came home and the door was open. And when she was telling me about it, the door being open and me thinking about the window being open, I was like, those are two weird parallels. This is a weird parallel to the stream that I had. But then later in the day, I went to see my friend Maddie, who I used to work with at Infinite, and she was showing me around her house. And she showed me her sister's room, and she's like, oh, this is my sister's room. Oh, she has two pet snakes. (gasps) And there were two snakes in there. So those two things happened after I had this dream. That's freaky. That, like, I already, like, couldn't stop thinking about the dream because it was just – it was so vivid. And I don't dream – very often where I have like really vivid dreams but when I do like I remember them really really well and like I couldn't stop thinking about it because it was just there were just so many weird elements to it but then those two things happened on Saturday after I had had that weird dream yeah (laughs) and that's real y'all this isn't an internet story this is a thing that I really experienced that's crazy Um, yeah but then she was like what do you think all these things represent blah 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 and yeah and that got really emotional because like when I was talking about you know, she was like, well, what does your childhood home represent? What does, like, your mom represent? And for me, those things were, like, not, like, safety and security, which I think is what she was implying. But, like, this is going to sound so weird, but, like, a sense of normalcy. Yeah. Where, like, those are two things I don't have that it's weird that I don't have. Like, it's weird to not have a mom. And it's weird to tell people that I'm homeless. And I'm not homeless in that, like, I don't have a roof over my head. But I'm homeless in that, like, I don't have, like, a home to go to. I don't have, like... a home base. Right. I don't have, like, my parents' home or, like, my childhood. I don't have, like, a home. Like, I live where I live. Mm -hmm. But those are two things that are, like... when, When my mom shows up in my dreams, which doesn't happen very often, but when she does... I never think anything of it until I wake up. Like in the dream, it's very normal that she's there. Mm. Um, And it's not until I wake up that I'm like, my mom was there. Like, I don't even think about it when it happens. Um, So there was that. And then like, like, (laughs) like Snoopy and the fucking snake. Where she was like, well, what do you think about this? And I was like, I'm not scared of snakes. Like, I wasn't like afraid. Even in the dream, I wasn't afraid of them. I was just kind of like... This is a thing that I have to do. And it just all came around to, like, me feeling like – when she was like, can you talk about your feelings? Like, all oh, this makes sense. And I was like, Because I never, like – I've never, like, tried to analyze a dream before or anything. Yeah. But I was just like, the snakes, to me, I wasn't afraid of the snakes. Like, to me, it was something where I was like, okay, this has come up, but I know how to handle it. And I felt very – in the dream, like, felt very, like – on top of it. I was like, I know yeah. how to do this. I know how to take care of this. Oh, you trying to swallow that dog? I don't think so. Boom. You're throwing up that dog. Like, not happening. Not so those... today, snaking. <laughs> not today, snaking. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, those were things that I felt very, like, in the dream, I felt very, con- like, I had under control. Mm-hmm. Um and, and she was asking about like the dog and the cat and I was laughing and I was like the dog I was like you know he was like he's not my dog so like sometimes he gets on my nerves but at the yeah. same time I was like I couldn't fucking let anything happen to that dog like, like he, he was like even if he annoys me I was like oh nothing's happening to that I don't fucking think so like it's not happening um, and so that was like really funny to me where I, I that's, that's how great. I like handled that situation. But yeah, it was a lot and dealing with, you know, yeah. my emotions and how I feel about all the things that I do. But that was my weird dream. That is a crazy dream. I know. And then those, those two things, the thing about the fucking, the, the window being open and the door being door. open. And then the two snakes, like this is my sister's room. She has two pet snakes. And I was like, I had this fucking dream with two snakes. Like, this is crazy. Ugh. So That's insane. So that in and of itself was a good story for everybody. I know, right? <laughs> you had some good stories. So, yeah. It's been a day. It's been a whole fucking day. It's been a lot of really great dead time stories. <sighs> yeah. You know what other stories I'd love to hear? Mm. Our listener stories. I would love to hear our listener stories. <laughs> Tell them how they can send them to us, Stephanie. <laughs> Uh, and right now, which we should you put like a, that great segue. I that do. Was a good segue. We should put a number on this because we have a limited number of stickers. But you guys don't tell them that if you <laughs> send it, if you send them to us, we will make it happen. So if you guys want to get an exclusive dead time sticker, dead time story sticker, I was going to be like dead time stickers, um, a dead time story sticker. You can get that by writing a review on iTunes, uh, Google Play. 
also is helpful. And Facebook. 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 Yes. Uh, write a review, screenshot it, and send it to us along with your address information, and we will send you a Dead Time Story sticker. Um, and, of course, you guys can listen to us on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. You can follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, and you can always email us at deadtimestories, all one word with a Z, at gmail.com. And Deadtime Stories is our name on Instagram, of course, as well. And if you want to follow our personal accounts, Sarah is at overyourheadins, H-E-D-D. I-N-S. Get it. <laughs> on Instagram. And I am S.C. Kernison, K-E-R-N-I-S-A-N. That's my last name. And that's where we are on Insta if you want to follow our personal Instagrams. But please, please, please follow us on our regular Instagram and review us and tell us that you like us and send us your own personal stories. I am so ready to send out some stickers. Me too. Ready to send some stickers. We can already give, us a, I give a little shout out to Shaggy at Paraholics. Yeah, we got one going out. Because he, yeah, he's the first person to do it and was like, you ladies rock. So everyone else, step up your game. Yeah. So we're going to send him a sticker and it's going to be rad. Yep. Stay. And you, if you... Write a review, listener. Listener, we're talking to you. She wasn't talking to me. She was talking to you. Right. She was we, looking at me when she said it, but she wasn't but talking to me. that's because she's here. You understand. <laughs> <laughs> sleep well, you guys. Hope you enjoyed our dead time stories. I hope you sleep well and don't have terrible nightmares about, about McKinney Manor oh. and snakes and stuff. Not today. Snakin'. Snakin'. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Eric. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Remy Slackman.